All right, let's pray, and uh, I'll give you what the Lord's given me, and uh, then we'll go home. Let's pray. Father, bless our time here again. We are so privileged to to sit at Jesus' feet as we open your word. And Father, encourage your people today. It's a blessing to be here. Father, bless this church for their faithfulness, for their giving. Uh, and Father, it's, it's true. Your word is true and you will reward on Judgment Day, the judgment seat of Christ, these people's faithfulness. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a question for you to begin. What do you think it means to worship? What does it mean to worship? Do you believe that God would have us to worship? To worship Him. So how do we do that? What does it mean? I guess the only place to find out is the Word of God. Amen. I mean, does worship, does worshiping the Lord simply mean, you know, we worship you, O Lord, you are worthy to be praised. You know, I mean, is it just singing to him, I worship you? Is that worship? What does it mean? Let's go to Matthew 28. Let's see what worship is, and we'll see what it isn't. Jesus Christ is about to go back to assume his place at the right hand of God the Father, and he's gathered his local church in Matthew 28. And uh, we read in verse 16, Then... The eleven disciples. Now, the reason there's eleven is Judas uh, is already in hell. He went to his own place. And if you're not saved, you have your own place in hell. But there's the eleven. Now, who are these eleven disciples? Who are they? What are they called in the Bible? If you look in uh, Luke, you don't have to turn there, but if you look in Luke chapter 6, Jesus called unto himself 12 men. And he named them, what? Apostles, amen. Then he ordained them, and then he sent them out. So they were the apostles of Christ, they were called unto Christ. We know a church is an assembly, a called out assembly. But then if you compare that with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says, and he, God, he hath set some in the church. First, apostles. So in Luke chapter 6, Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus calls from the larger number, he calls unto him 12 and he Names them apostles, and he ordains them 
Right there is where he started his New Testament church. If you want to put a time on it. So now here's the church minus Judas. There's 11 disciples. The Bible says, Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Now, they're going to have church. They're going to assemble in one place. And Jesus appointed the place. Verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. Now, look at the next word. What does it say? But. But. There doesn't need to be a but. They worshipped him. But. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> but what? Now, when you see this word but, it means something, right? Like, let me give an example. If I say um, jock. Jock Humphrey, one of the Humphrey boys. You are a vibrant, uh, nice-looking, handsome young man. <laughs> but, now what am I going to say if I say but? It's going to be negative. It's going to be the opposite, right? It's going to be something contradictory. See, words have meanings, amen? Even a three-letter word. Words have meanings. So, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Say it with me. But. Some doubted. Now, that tells me something about worship. They worshipped him, him, but some doubted, which then tells me, if you're filled with doubt, which is the opposite of faith, right? You can't worship God. You cannot worship God. If you are filled with doubt in your heart, you cannot worship God acceptably. Now I want to show that to you. Let's go to uh, Mark chapter where is it? Not Mark, Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> I want to help you today just for a few moments uh, on the subject of worship. All right, Matthew chapter 9 verse 14, then came to him the disciples of John. These are John, John the Baptist. These are his disciples. And by the way, the disciples that Jesus used to start his first church, they were Baptist disciples, amen? Disciples of John. They come and they ask him, why do we and the Pharisees fast often or oft? But thy disciples fast not. Verse 15. And Jesus said unto them. Now he's going to answer them. 
We're not going to look at the answer about fasting. Verse 18, while. Now that word while means in the process of. While he spake these things, from verses 15 to 17. While he spake these things unto them. Behold. Now what's the word behold? The word behold is like sounding the siren, sounding the alarm. It's, it's ringing the bell. It's, it's trying to get your attention. Hey, may I have your attention, please? That's what behold means. So what's going to follow the word behold is something that's not very ordinary at all. Otherwise, what would be the point? So it's something that God wants us to take notice of. And behold... Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him. Okay, now this ruler came and worshipped him. But notice the next word. He came and worshipped him, worshipped him, saying. He worshipped him, he worshipped him, saying. Saying. The saying, what he said, is connected to, directly related to, the worship. He worshiped him, saying. What did he say? Did he say, I worship you? <laughs> That's not what he said. All right, let's see. He worshiped him, saying. Here's what he said. My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. He worshipped him, saying. So why, what is it about this thing that he said that is, is, is considered, accredited as worship? Well, remember, when Jesus called his disciples, they saw him there, and they worshipped him. Say it with me. But. But what? Some doubted. You cannot worship God if you're not willing to believe in the Lord and to put your confidence and trust in them. You know what we call that, ma'am? Here's what we call it, faith. How simple is that? Notice what he said. My daughter is even now dead. Now that's a pretty final thing, is it not? A dead body. A dead body. My, 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 my daughter is even now dead. Okay. That, that's going to hit close to home, right? We have a daughter. We only have one. Brother Demlo has four. I'll tell you what. I can't think of another thing that would, that would be in, in some ways very devastating than for us to lose our daughter. And I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine to go into a room and have to look at the corpse of, of, of my daughter. 
and then have to plan a funeral and all of that. I mean, we, we have to put ourselves in the situation of which we're reading. My daughter is even now dead. But come, speaking to Jesus, lay your hand upon her, that corpse, that cold body. Lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. Wow. Yeah, even they're affected. Amen. She shall live. Yes, yes. <laughs> Poor little girl. So, what I want us to see here, people, is this. What is worship? What does it mean to worship? Well, we know it's not, it can't, it can't, be, it can't have doubt. He came to Jesus and worshipped him saying, here's what it means, simply. It's coming to the Lord. This is worship. It's coming to the Lord. Are you, are you ready for it? It's asking Jesus Christ and believing him to do the impossible. You know why that's worship? Because when you come to the almighty God with something that is completely out of your ability to do and you call upon him, to do the impossible, you are acknowledging and exalting and extolling God for being God. Can you raise somebody from the dead? I can't. You know what we do when we pray? We ask for God, we ask God for things that are kind of somewhat likely to happen anyway. Because then when it happens anyway, we can kind of make ourselves feel good and pat ourselves on the back about how spiritual we are. And, and I had faith in God and I believe God could do it. Yeah, well, you kind of knew it was going to maybe happen anyway, kind of a good chance anyway. Asking God to raise, asking Jesus to lay her hand on your dead child is something different back in this day. That's why the Bible says, when this man asked that, that's worship. Now, remember, worship is very much linked, vitally connected to what? Faith. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, what does it say? must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, amen, of those that diligently seek him. And when we come to God diligently seeking him and asking him to do something that's completely out of our control, and we're putting our faith in him to bring it to pass, that's worship which is linked to faith. And when you come and worship God and you ask him to do the impossible, 
and you come believing him because of who he is and because of what he's promised, you can move God, we can move God to action. Can I please give you a personal illustration? I remember very clearly the moment when the Spirit of the Lord put it in my heart, in my, in my consciousness, my mind. I want you, I'm choosing you, I want you to meet the king of Swaziland. I want you to meet the king of Swaziland. You are going to meet the king of Swaziland. And you know what I thought in my brain when that thought came to my mind? Who, me? Really? The king of Swaziland? I mean, who am I? I'm just a guy who's got an ostrich egg stuck on a pole. <laughs> I mean, why would, the, why, why would a king, why would a king want to have any kind of a meeting with me? By the way, we went to an ostrich farm in, 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 by Cape Town. I'm telling you what, these big birds, they got one look at me, they started chasing me down. They wanted to sit on me. <laughs> I ain't going there again. Why would the king of Swaziland have any interest in me? I'm not a diplomat. I have no influence. I don't have money. There's nothing that I could offer the king that would be of any significance to him. But I'll tell you what, I knew without a doubt, as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I know what it's like to be led of God's Spirit as a saved man. And I knew God put that in my heart. And I believed that God was communicating and, and, and talking to me as his son about that. I want you to meet the king of Swaziland. So I'm thinking, well, you know, how, when, how is this going to happen? But you know what, Brother Humphrey? Because I knew it came from God. I said, okay, I believe you. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. But I believe you. And I'll tell you how I exercise my faith. I really believe God. You know what I did from there on out? I started asking myself, is this going to be the opportunity? Is this going to be the avenue? Is this going to be the means by which God will use to bring me before the king? He's got to do it somehow. So I started interpreting everyday circumstances with maybe it's going to be this, maybe it's going to be that. How is it going to bring it to pass? So here's another thing I did. I sent an email to Pastor Custer and I told him what I believe God was speaking to me about. I said, Preacher, God wants me to meet the king of Swaziland. So, what Bible do you think would be the best to give the king of Swaziland? Could you recommend one, Pastor, for me? And so he did. I said, would you please buy this Bible for me? And then if you can please send it along with Nick Columbus. He was coming to visit us in Africa. Nick can bring the Bible with him. I want to have the Bible ready. 
I've got to have it in hand because I don't know. This is what I'm telling the preacher in an email. I don't know at what point, at what time, God's going to open the door and put me before the king. I've got to have that Bible ready. So he ordered it. And Brother Nick Columbus brought it. It sat on my shelf for a year and a half. But I knew God was going to do it. All right? There's a verse in Proverbs that says, He that is diligent in his business shall stand before kings. And I saw that verse and I said, I believe it, it's your word. Okay, Lord. Sometime after that, within that year and a half, I was at the school that had the 50% student body from Swaziland, those students. Well, the owner of that private school, at his prize giving for acknowledging the graduates and those who had the highest marks and so on, Every year he brings in a guest speaker, a motivational speaker to the students. Guess who it was that, that, that next year? It was the deputy prime minister of the kingdom of Swaziland was going to come to Metro. And so the owner of that school, Mr. Kwachu, he wanted me to be at the prize giving. And he also gave my wife and I a VIP. I had to wear a VIP, you see. I've never been a VIP before. So I'm a VIP at this meeting. I got to meet the Deputy Prime Minister of the Kingdom of Swaziland. And after the prize giving, the ceremony, the graduation, we had a meal together. And I thought, is this it, Lord? Is this how you want me to meet the King? You won't believe this. Well, I'm sitting there having a meal at the big table. The Lord said to me, I don't want you to talk to him about it. I don't want you to bring it up. I don't even want you to ask him anything about, oh, can I, do you think you can get me to see the king? Don't even say anything. I said, you know, really? Seems like it would have been prime, right? I said, okay, Lord, I won't say anything. Never did. Then another uh, incident happened. There's one of the students at the school who said he's related to the king of Swaziland through his aunt or something. And I said, well, I believe the king, uh, the Lord wants me to meet the king. Can you set up something? Can you talk to your relative who can talk to, you know, somebody? He said, yeah, I can do that. Well, come to find out he was full of hot air. Wanted to sound impressive. So that wasn't going to happen. How is it going to happen? Are you wanting to know? I'll tell you next time I come. <laughs> No, one of my trips to Swaziland, as you know, I give people lifts. It's very common for them to, to hitchhike. So one time while I'm in Swaziland, I'm, I'm, I'm driving. There's a whole host of people standing along the side of the road. And so I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to give somebody a lift. And I'm kind of approaching the crowd and 
my mind's eye goes to that one. So I pull over, put the window down. I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to, you want a lift? Sure. Come on in. He got in. So we're driving. We introduce ourselves, and I said, so what do you do? He says, well, I'm in the military. I said, is that right? I, I said, you know, what, 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 do you have, what do you do in the military? He said, I guard the king. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one, of the, one of the men who guards the king. I said, <clears throat> I got to share something with you. I believe the Lord wants me to meet your king. I said, do you think there's a way, do you know of a connection of how I could meet the king of Swaziland? He said, yeah, I think there is. I said, there is? And he said, yeah. <laughs> here's, what, here's what he told me. He said, I know the king's protocol officer. The protocol officer is, is kind of like the page boy, you know, the guy who's always at the beck and call of the king at any time. He says, I know him. His name is Kanvela. He says, we can go meet him, and then you can talk to him about it. I said, yeah, let's go meet him. So he set up a time. He said, you come back into the kingdom next week on this day, and we'll go meet him. I said, am I going to meet the king on that day? Do I need to come with my suit and everything? He says, well, just, just, just be here. I said, okay. So I came. We went to meet the protocol officer. He was a young man in his mid-20s. Had actually schooled in the United States at some time. Gone to a university. So I told him, I introduced myself. I believe that the Lord wants me to meet the king of Swaziland. I said, is that possible? He said, yeah, that's possible. He says, as a matter of fact, there's going to be a special service this weekend on Saturday you come to that special service I'll introduce you to the king and, and by this time I mean I'm, I'm beside myself you know inside right it's like Lord this is too good to be true <laughs> I said okay Kandlela, I'll be here I actually came on Friday stayed the night I didn't want to come on Saturday in case there was a mechanical problem. So I showed up there on Saturday. I went into the, to the palace. I had my gift. I had to go through security and everything. I had my gift. Went, went to the service and um, I, I sat way in the back and the protocol officer said, oh, Pastor Scott, you're here. I mean, I'm in this beautiful uh, room. Chandeliers and pillars and everything. He said, no, you're not sitting back there. He says, I want you up front. You're going to sit next to me. I was sitting three rows back from the king and the queen mother who were sitting here. I was sitting right on the edge, right next to the protocol officer. It came time for the king of Swaziland and the queen mother to come in. I'm sitting here. And, of course, we all had to rise. And, and here comes the king and the queen, uh, mother. Now, you have to understand, 
I'm, I'm, I'm a white guy. And I'm tall. And my head is shiny. It's probably shining right now. So the, I stand out. And the king is coming in, and, and surely he's wondering, who's this? Right? The king, he walks right by me. Now, as my, cu my custom is, I, without thinking, I do this to all South Africans when I see them. You know, he walks by and he looks at me and I look at him and I went. Why did I do that? I'm thinking I just blew my opportunity to meet the king. <laughs> well, to make a long story short, it's already a long one, but I did meet the king. Now, you have to understand, people, that humanly speaking... That was impossible. I can't go, I can't even get near the king. There are Swazis, they've only seen the king afar or they've never even seen him at all. And who am I? That was something impossible, but it was something that God did. And it was something that I had to do by faith. And when God put it in my heart to do it, he gave me the faith to believe it. And so I accepted that and it came to pass just as God wanted it to do, to happen. You know, we just doubt the Lord, I'm afraid, too often. Look at Matthew chapter 9. When this man came and said, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Notice verse 19. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. When this man came and worshipped him, worshipped him and asked him to do something that was impossible and the man believed it she shall live you know what people that touched the very heart of god and it says while he was while he spake these things this man came and interrupted the teaching and said what he said and jesus stopped class right there as if it was dismissed and he stood up he arose and he followed him he touched the heart of God. And the disciples, they did so too. I can just imagine the disciples saying, I want to see this. Let's go, boys. He's going to go raise somebody from the dead? Let's go. All right, look at verse 20. I'm almost finished. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said, she said within herself, she said, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. That's what she said. But Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole that hour. I want you to see in verse 22, Jesus turned. In verse 19, Jesus arose. What is getting the Lord's attention? What is motivating him to action? They're asking him to do something that is impossible. 
and they believe it. They believe it. Somebody kill that big mosquito. <laughs> the woman was made whole from that hour. Verse 23, and when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But some doubted. You know what it says here? Jesus said, <clears throat> give place. You know, if, if the Lord is going to do something on our behalf, we need to give place. We need to give the Lord the place, the space, the opportunity to do what we want him to do. Verse 25, but the, when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand and the maid arose. Wow. Seeing somebody raised from the dead. Verse 26, and the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye? that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched, or touched he their eyes. Notice, notice, hey, notice. According to your faith, be it unto you. Did you catch that? According to your faith. You know what Jesus is saying here? Don't miss it. I will go as far as you take me. Be it according to your faith. Be it. If you've got faith, to bring me here, I'll meet you here. You got faith to bring me all the way over here, I'll meet you here. Be it according to your faith. You know what I see here, beloved? Listen. God will always, every time, brother, every time, God will honor and be moved to action when we touch the heart of God with faith. By faith. And when we do that, guess what? We're worshiping God. And God is pleased. Be it according to your faith. Their eyes were opened. Wow. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame into all that country. How can you how, listen? How can you keep it silent? How can you keep something like that silent? To make the application to having our spiritual eyes open. Being saved. That's far greater than having your physical eyes open. I'm saved. I'm saved. How can I keep it quiet? Amen? Can't do it. I would circle this in your Bible. 
I'm just going to point this out to you and I'm, we're going to pray. Verse 19, Jesus arose. Verse 22, Jesus turned. Verse 29, Jesus touched. Jesus is motivated by faith. And when we have faith in God and we ask him to do the impossible, we're worshiping him. And he's motivated by, to, to, to action. Let's worship, brother. Some worshiped, or they worshiped him, but some doubted. That's where it fails. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the fact that you are a God who's willing to hear and answer prayers if we'll come to you by faith. And Father, it's, it's evident in the scriptures that when we come with, with a faith that you give us through your word, we, we choose to believe you and we ask you to do the impossible. We are exalting you as God. We're worshiping you. And Father, you are so pleased by that. And Father, the evidence is before us. You will do the impossible if we'll come with faith and we'll come worshiping you. It's really the same thing. Father, forgive us of our unbelief. And Father, is there something here in this church with an individual, maybe it's something concerning the body, that really is an impossibility? And the church is filled with doubt. Father, may they repent of that. You are a God who's interested in doing the impossible, that no flesh should glory in your presence, but that you'll get the glory. May we trust you and ask you to do impossible things. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.